Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel for Best Horror and Suspense of 2020, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and the newly released Pretty Ugly. With me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, authoress of The Bourbon Books, which include Dibs, Since September, and her recent novel, Move On Melinda. Today with us, we have a very special last-minute guest, so she deserves so much extra applause, author Alex Richards, uh, the writer of When We Were Strangers and Accidental, and I'm just going to say, and Alex and I are old blog friends from way back when having an internet friend was still weird. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Alex. Um, Please tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new book, When We Were Strangers. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. This is really fun to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm Alex. Uh, I live in Brooklyn and I've been writing for a very long time, which is how I met Jennifer to begin with was yes, in our old blogging days. And um, When We Were Strangers came out in July and it's sort of, um, I'm terrible at giving pitches for books, but it's about a girl whose father has just died and she kind of is, during her grief process, she's faced with some strange news that she like wasn't expecting it's sort of like how she um processes her grief in a strange strange way um sort of has some hope and some humor but it's also kind of really like dealing with grief well i will say um weirdly i love books about grief i tend to write a lot about grief i take a weekly grief writing seminar um so when i read the back of your book or the blur review book, I was just like, this is perfect. Um, Cause I, I like heavier fiction. Um, and it's been so long since I've read a YA novel. Um, and it was great to read one that was so realistic. And I love that it also involves like the, like art and photography and Thanks. some supernatural references. <laughs> some supernatural references. Yeah. I, I definitely threw in some things that were sort of personal. Like I majored in photography in college. And um, so I really enjoyed like putting in references to that. And also like the setting of the book is Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where I grew up. So it was a, a really cool book for me to write with sort of being able to like throw in a lot of like personal, personal details like that. I will say, so it felt to me, Effie felt a lot like me. Like, and, and all, I feel like all the characters felt like me, which is a good thing. Like from their musical tastes, like being into Pearl Jam and nineties rock and having like a dorky t-shirt collection for one of them. I'm like, it it just felt so relatable. Well, and I was going to say, you also have one of the main characters is like a New York transplant and you're in New York. So I love how you kind of blended both places, a place you'd been and a place you were. It's like, okay, well, here's my stand in for New York. He's going to be the guy wearing the shirts from everywhere, which I, I, I just love that he was doing that to make up for the fact that his parents weren't necessarily around. And both of the characters are dealing with losses of parents in various ways, which I think is probably one of the biggest, the biggest, they say it's a trope for YA fiction, but it's, it's not handled in a way where it's like, oh, another one of these Cinderella, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit different as far as a more realistic and relatable and in many ways, just more heartbreaking in how she's dealing with it. Right. Yeah. It is interesting. Like the, it's almost like it, it is true that it's a trope. Like 
if you're writing YA, there can't be parents. Nope. There has to be like some. Because <laughs> you're either writing like bad, like bad kid YA, like we'll just say again, because this is how we knew each other, like gossip girl where there's no parents because the kids are like literally drinking alcohol at school and in fancy bars and members of like elite clubs. So there's no parents there or, or you need the tragedy. You need like that part of the fairy tale, uh, Hansel and Gretel's, you know, parents Mm -hmm. being gone. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like for writing YA, you know, it, it's a cliche, but it's also like you need the, for the teen characters to be doing things that they kind of get into trouble and they have to get themselves out of their own messes. Like if their parents are there, I mean, now that I'm a parent, I'm not going to say that like parents always have the the wise thing to say at all times. But like, but you know, that's like if the parents were always there, then the kids wouldn't be getting into the, these kinds of messes to begin right. with. So. Well, you hope. Right. You would hope. You would hope. Your job. Well, and also just how you have two different parents or different situations of parents in when we were strangers. And even the parent that's there isn't always really there. And I think that's just as relatable as a tragic loss, because there are probably a lot of kids reading that or teens reading that going, yeah, my mom's there physically sometimes. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where they are up here. But so I could totally see that being a, a catalyst for something that a kid could really go. I see myself in this book. And I feel like, you know, so many people that read YA are, you know, grown <laughs> adults. They are women yeah. in their forties. They're yeah. cool forties. Jen, don't give away our age. Oh my God, we're, the, we're in our cool forties. Um, so, but I feel like we also are that like as I thought of this, that generation of being like a latchkey kid of having like just so much alone time because your parents were working, they weren't really there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my life was never as interesting as a YA novel. I'm like, oh gosh, had I known I could actually have adult conversations and be basically a mini adult when I was in high school. Yeah. But they all, yeah, like all YA, you know, whether, whatever, I I feel like I try and write, because I'm writing stuff that's not necessarily, you know, when we were strangers is about the loss of a parent and not everybody's going through. I have, I haven't gone through that. I still have both my parents. And then my other book, Accidental, is about the aftermath of gun violence. So like, again, most people reading this or several people aren't going to be like, oh man, this, I was in this exact same situation and that's how I can relate to this. But you're reading a book just thinking like, oh, like it all boils down to like, I'm a teenager and like, I feel alone and like somebody understands me. And it's all just kind of like getting those emotions across basically. And when you're a teenager, everything is so heightened. Like, you know, I was 16, 17, a long time ago, but I just remember all the little things ripped my heart out. Like my heart could be broken at a moment's notice. So I think that the key for me with YA is it does have to have really heightened stakes because you have to echo the emotions that they're already feeling, but it can't just be a book about a girl giving you a weird look in the bathroom and then you having like anxiety about it for the rest of the day. There probably are. Although, those I mean, but I feel like that was. I feel it. like those are the books that I was high school in a nutshell. It's like, <laughs> no. you, and then you just were so obsessed with that look that you got in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And you were just like, day. what was it? Was it because of how I look, the way I dress? Am I? And then you like, yeah. then you just stop doing your homework and start like smoking cigarettes in a cemetery. It's like yeah. a slippery slope. To- <laughs> well, and, and I want to, I want to comment on something you said earlier. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned what accidental was about. I didn't read the synopsis. I just started listening to it. So I actually only got to the point where that's revealed. It's because it's not revealed right away that that's what happened, that there's gun violence involved and that there's a part where she's figured this out. 
And then people are looking at her and she thinks everybody knows this about her. And it's mostly, she's just with a cute boy. And that's, that's to me, just such the high school moment there of like, they know my deepest, darkest secret. No, they really don't. It's, it's just, oh, you have the new boy next to you. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's big enough news. They don't need anything else. And no, they don't. Cause I mean, that's something no matter, no matter what age you are, no matter anything, you always think people are thinking about you and knowing and they're not people are especially in high school people aren't thinking about you they're They're not thinking about they're only thinking about themselves they're only think they're in the mirror going did that person just give me a weird look yes exactly exactly like we we forget about um we just like focus on our own neuroses and i will say also as a cool 40 something i still do that yeah i mean i'm I'm still focused on my own neuroses (laughs) i think mine have just gotten bigger yeah. <laughs> I've, I've minor more wrong about now yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's fair because yeah. now the world really is out to get us well and so alex that's you said true. you haven't gone through loss of a parent i have i know jen has and i i thought you handled that really well although i will say i'm like wait a second he's he's not even 40 yet man i'm older than the dad oh this <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I mean i know older like I said, than I the really, dead dad i died of a heart attack <laughs> um well and i, I like I'm, immediately took an aspirin i immediately <laughs> took a baby aspirin <laughs> no, it, was, it was me last summer you might remember when i fell and i hurt my leg and then i was having like leg pains i'm like i have a blood clot i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i need to take an aspirin all the time they, then i remembered oh yeah i fell off a bench because i shouldn't be climbing on benches taking the best photo i could because not coordinated enough to be doing that <laughs> yeah. but instagram allison instagram <laughs> those weren't even going on instagram that was taking a picture of my kids and i don't put them on instagram because creepy people out there so yeah. hmm, they don't go on insta but we are getting too old for some of that some of those shenanigans some of the shenanigans we probably yeah. should maybe maybe stop but i mean i was i was laughing at being older than the, the dad uh, yeah but, but why then, did you do that to us i don't know well, i wa- i wanted him to <laughs> why be, did you do it to yourself <laughs> <laughs> i wanted them to be young enough because well you know like i guess giving something away from the book is like she the the main protagonist of the book she finds out that her father was having an affair with a much younger person but so I still, I didn't, I wanted to make it, um, believable, creepy, yeah. Yeah. but it's also like, I wanted it to be understandable a little bit more that like if the father was, you know, in his fifties or sixties or something, and he had, he had this 22 year old girlfriend, it just, it gets, it's, it gets, it gets stranger, the, yeah. the, the, you know, the bigger the age gap, but, but it was described him as looking like Dean Winchester, which I mean, that pretty uh-huh. much was like, well, yeah, now I see what happened. I understand yeah. exactly what happened. <laughs> Dean Winchester who likes Pearl Jam. I I'm know. Like, oh. I know. He was a, he was a cool dad. He was, he a, was cool. a cool dad. Well, and I was trying Except to, for the math stuff. Yeah. Pocket protectors and liking birds. So, I mean, cool dad is really debatable here, but I was, hot I was dad was a bird thing. Yeah. I was reading it on my phone and I wasn't able to take it. I was trying to take a screenshot of it to save this one line because I loved it so much. So I ended up having to do it and I'll send it to you later, Alex, but I had to make a graphic of uh, bathed in candy wrappers and Winchester dreams. I feel like that should now be like our, our salutation at the end. Yeah. I wish you nights bathed in candy wrappers and Winchester, and Winchester dreams. dreams. <laughs> that may be my favorite line in the entire book. It may not be yours, but it was mine. So. Well, thank you. 
yeah, it was fun weaving in some some of those little like Winchestery references, and that just seems like another one. It's like for him to look like it just it was like worlds colliding, kind of. Yeah, especially well, when someone's like, "Oh, well, he looks like Dean Winchester," and Abby's like, "Oh, no, he doesn't look right? like Dean <laughs> Winchester because Dean Winchester's hot, and that's my dad," which yeah. is so realistic. I remember being in high school and having a friend see a, like a picture of my dad when he was younger, and they were like, "Your dad is so hot," and. I was like, I want to die. Yeah. Nobody wants <laughs> that is, to hear that. That is the worst thing that anybody could ever say to me. <laughs> Never ever say that. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm glad you brought up some of the stuff as far as like, okay, the Winchester not talking to each other. That was one of the things that I just for people who watch Supernatural, that's one of their biggest go to is one knows something that they won't talk to the other about, and that was a big theme there. And in this case, it so made sense. And there's so many times I hate the trope of miscommunication or just people don't talk to it. But you start out, so this is this is not a spoiler, but because this happens like page one, yeah, is yeah. is Evie comes back after her father has died, her mom is not home yet, and she figures out dad was getting ready to leave and there are all these packed suitcases and she chooses to put everything back and is keeping that then from her mom and that whole like i'm just not going to do this because it's for your own good that's such a winchester move right there like i'm not going to tell you the big thing you need to know yeah and how that destroys her so you have that tension going throughout the the book and i really appreciated how that was done because to me it didn't feel artificial and it didn't feel like some kind of oh i'm just using this to draw out the tension just because I need tension. It felt so like, well, what is she? Of course she did that. And plus, I think, you know, you handled grief so well, um, especially for someone like you just said, you you haven't lost a parent yet, but grief is everything. It can be any loss. It can be what we've all experienced in the past 19 months, grieving a way of life, grieving a job, grieving a, you know, a clothes size we once were uh, so and I feel like the, the main thing about grief is that it's always so different and it affects people so differently and I just loved that she immediately had that response like well I will just unpack all of its bags and she'll never know yeah right because you're just thinking in the moment making a rash decision because yes yeah, she's just she doesn't know what to think exactly because it's like hours after. And I think one thing that I really enjoyed, like in the different, and during the editing process, it was like, okay, you really need to address grief and make sure like, so I was, but I think that what I came to terms with a lot more is just how messy grief is. And it's, you know, my mm-hmm. editor and I started out being like, well, you know, what are the five stages of grief? And let's make sure that we're following that model. And then it was like, that was my you? favorite part. When <laughs> like somebody said, I don't want her to go to this, that other stage of grief without me. And the person yeah. who was just like, that's bullshit. There are no yes. stages of grief. Like, yeah. and have you so seen the, I was like, I love it. Have you guys seen the, the, it, it's a cartoon or a meme where it shows that grief is the ball in the box. Have you seen that? Yeah. Where the idea that if you imagine a, like a red ball that you'd be playing four square with on the playground and it's inside, it's inside a box and it bounces around. And right when things first happen, the ball is almost as big as the box and it's always touching and you can't get away from it. And then as you get further and further away from whatever happened, the loss or whatever, the ball starts to deflate, but it's still bouncing, but it's mm-hmm. not going to hit as often. And you never really know where, mm-hmm. but it can hit. So the idea of it being this ordered thing is just, I don't know who came with some, some therapist who wanted to yeah. have, be able to walk through it. It's nonsense because it doesn't happen that way. And the, the idea, and I know one of the, the things you had throughout is somebody saying the word die and a sarcastic, yeah. like, oh, I would just die if this happened. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would, it would have this visceral reaction for Abby and other times. Oh, okay. That's all right. That it didn't hit that. The ball didn't strike me that time. 
that's such a great um, visual, like the ball in the box. Like I, yeah, I can totally, yeah, picture that because because you don't know when it's going to hit you and you don't know what it's going to be like. And and I think especially like for for teenagers that are kind of going through these things, like I think it's really important to show that it is not a five stages. Like you know, th- this is how grief is experienced, and this is how exactly how you're going to feel it. Because I think people hear that and they're like, oh there must be something wrong with me because I'm not experiencing grief. Yeah. Like I never went through denial. Right. <laughs> like, oh, right. Why am I stuck in angry for like years? <laughs> for my entire life. For my whole right. life. Oh, that's just my personality. Right. <laughs> that's a character flaw Oops. at that point. That's different. That's okay. <laughs> I would like to call it a life choice. <laughs> well, and there was one point you even had something in there where I think it was Evie who was saying something along the lines of not wanting to go to a grief type class because she doesn't want to be told she's been grieving wrong. Mm-hmm. And I totally could resonate with that feeling as well of people basically saying, whatever you've gone through, you're not handling it right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that again, it is personal and whether it's a divorce or a death or some other kind of massive loss, yeah. how we process is so individual and it's great if you're getting help and it's fine if you're processing it on your own. So I like that. She's like, I, I don't want to be told that how I'm doing it isn't okay. Right. Well, and in both of Accidental and When We Were Strangers, I think like it was important to me that they kind of ended up in a place where they were more open to the idea of therapy. But but again, like you want you you need your characters to have a bit of a bumpy road. Like mm-hmm. if they sort of if it's like the big I mean, in plenty of books, they do spend the time in therapy and that, you know, that helps and they work it out. But it kind of like I just wanted them to be able to make mistakes and and just live their life and sort of see how it goes. And then, but then get to a point at the end where like, where they know that like, it's okay to get help and, and that can come in different forms. Um, Another thing I really appreciated about your book is that you handled the idea of slut shaming in such a great way. And by saying like, we can't do that. We can't slut shame. We can't, even if you hate somebody. Yeah, that was really, I feel like that was really important. I love that. commenting on that too yeah and I feel like you know especially it's a YA book like I want teenagers to hear that like they need to know that um Mm -hmm. and I also think um you know your book was just listed in People Magazine as one of the 20 books to read this fall um I congratulations I think it you know as you said we were talking before the show you're like I don't how did it end up there why am I there I love it um I think a lot of it could be how you handle grief and how you handle things like slut shaming. Cause I think, you know, kids have been out of school for a year. They're coming back. They're grieving this lost year of time. Mm-hmm. And your book would be an amazing way for them to kind of figure out that all of their feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Because yeah, this year more than any year, that I am aware of, like exactly we're grieving things in such different ways and nobody knows how to handle it. And yeah. And whatever you, how, however you choose to, to deal with it is, is fine and it's okay. And these are like the way things go. Um, yeah. And the slut shaming, like, I think that part, it was important to me also because the main character is the one who is doing the slut shaming. And it, I think it's really, it was really important for, for her, like for me to have her realize that that is not okay. And that, you know, um, that she needs to change her like way of thinking surrounding that. 
Yeah, well, I think it was important that it was girl on girl slut yeah. shaming as opposed yeah. to, I think, I know there've been books before, like, I, I don't know if it was a book or just a movie, like Easy A, where it's, it's other people are slut shaming the main character and how they embrace it and change and right. have their own mentality change. So I thought it was important that we're getting in the mind of someone who maybe has reasons to slut shame, reasons yeah. to be upset, yeah. but that it's still not okay to do that yeah. and to, and that that's still not an okay response to just basically make somebody an other and not even attempt to see, well, where are they coming from and what's, what's their story there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, just like their whole, their whole relationship and the way it transforms over the course. Like I, yeah, I think it was just important to me to like explore. I really wanted to just see how that went exploring a different kind of friendship and, or, you know, a different relationship to see, to see how it goes. And for her to really realize that this person, uh, his father's like, secret mistress was a real person even though yeah. you, she hates her and you want to hate her and we all want to hate her like she actually you know she has feelings everybody has feelings yeah like, she's still a human person <laughs> yeah yeah so um as long as i've known you now 15 years you have been writing ya i know you've written yeah. other things um when you tell people that you write ya do they automatically assume that you're writing about like boarding schools for witches <laughs> and no I mean, no, when I, I tell people that I write YA, they, they are like, sometimes they'll be like, oh, my niece is seven. Can she, can <laughs> no. she, oh. like, <laughs> like what YA is. <laughs> yeah. People, people don't, I also, and the other like main risk reaction that I get is like, just kind of like, oh, YA, like it just, nobody really knows <laughs> what that, yeah. It's like a little deer caught in headlights. The best reaction that I ever got was like, oh, I'm, I'm a writer. And this guy was like, oh, is your book like War and Peace? And thank God, it. no. I know. I was like, oh, yeah, I was not really sure how to. I mean, definitely First not. Off, no. Definitely I was not. Glad not I was able to. I was glad I was able to read your book in time for the show. And I wouldn't have if it was War and Peace. So first <laughs> off, thank you for not yeah. making it that length. I appreciate exactly. that. But also, I'm not sure War and Peace is as relevant for our, our YA readers. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to something you said as far as, okay, your seven-year-olds, no, not for YA. Yeah. It is really confusing though. And we get this a lot in writing circles and I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of people who are in query trenches and trying to mm-hmm. figure out, you know, how to get their book to publication, figuring out what is YA, what defines YA, what is the age range for YA. That gets so confusing. Yeah. And especially because I think YA, we all think, all right, so that's, 18 and up and it's really not no Um, but what what would you say ya is and obviously no one's putting an end cap saying adults can't read ya but what would you say is the age range you had in mind when you were writing and is it the same for both accidental and when we were strangers um i would say that it's i mean i would say accidental probably a little bit older because it's dealing with gun violence like a little bit more um like a, a, a more heavy topic, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, heavier. Uh, but I think that I would say like 14 to 17 um, and above. But I, but at the same time, like a friend of mine gave, gave it to her daughter who's 11 and she read it and, and loved it. So, I mean, I think, I think that's the thing with, with YA is that it just totally depends on the person. We all like my own 10 year old daughter is like, no, get your books away from me. Um, <laughs> she has zero interest in reading them, but her best friend has read both my books and I'm her favorite author. So oh, okay, that's <laughs> that. That. my that. 10 year old is not allowed to read my books, but um, I don't write well. YA, but still my 10 year old is not allowed to read my books. Uh, yeah. 
But at at the same time, though, the whole idea of, okay, well, what age and what, what maturity level and the difference between, okay, is it, is it maturity for violence or maturity for sexuality? And then that's kind of a, either a parental judgment or, and and I don't know if you, if you want to weigh in, there was a website floating around and I was seeing some agents saying, don't fill this out about kind of rating it. Did you see that? What are your your thoughts on that? And just explain, explain to people watching who are like, we have no idea what you're talking about right now. There was, I mean, I only, I, I was mostly on Twitter and I haven't seen, I don't, I haven't read all about it, but yeah, basically there was a website that wanted people to rate the cleanliness of your book as far as language, like what words are being used, how for many YA. Times. For okay. for YA. Sorry, it's I looked YA. horrified because I was like, oh my gosh, my book should never pass anything. Well, it's funny because I, I did read through it and I, I self-assessed each of my books. I'm like, okay, this one fits here. Oh, this one's there. Oh, this one's definitely over here. But again, I write for adults. Right. But I mean, I've even had, uh, and a friend of mine, Joanne, recently posted a blog about why she leaves the door open to the bedroom because we've had as adult writers, people lowball ratings on books because there's sexual content in there. And these are books written for adults. So it, it's interesting because there are people who will be like, oh, that should not be in a book. I, I don't want bad language. And a lot of times promotional sites will ask, does it have explicit language? Does it have this or that? So the fact that there was this kind of outcry about it, it, they're asking us to rate it. To me, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't already being done, not for the purpose of censorship, but for the purpose of categorization, awareness, and being able to market it to the right level. Um, Because one of the things, and people who watch this know, my husband is is a teacher, and he teaches upper grade elementary school, and trying to get books that he's able to read to a class is very difficult because he doesn't want to bet, get parents mad at him right. if he's reading content out loud to their children that they would not approve of. And so having some kind of shorthand where he can go, okay, this book is, okay, this one's, this one's got nothing that I'm going to get fired if I read yeah. to these kids would help. But it's like the flip side that people were saying was something along the lines of, we don't want to stigmatize things that these kids are going through and make them feel like their lives are not okay or are rated lives in some way. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying from the perspective of your husband and, you know, his, his job and everything. But like, I think, I don't know. I think that people who want to censor YA, like, oh, they shouldn't, there shouldn't be swearing. I mean, tell me a teenager who didn't swear. Exactly. And, and, you know, and if we're going to like categorize YA into different things, like this one's YA, PG, whatever, because of like, you know, sexuality, or things mm-hmm. like that, then that's starting to say like, oh, well, that's taboo. Like, yeah. oh, because you were showing LGBTQ teens. That's, but it's, it's okay to swear, but we don't yeah. want to see, or it's okay for it to be violent, but we don't want swearing. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's such a strange there are, and it all, yeah, Exactly. And it all comes down to the gatekeepers, which are the teachers and the librarians and the people who are. So I remember like when I was writing accidental and, um, my editor was like, you can swear, but like, keep it, try and kind of curb it when you can and try not to have too much swearing in the first like 30 pages because that's, <laughs> that's what they read. <laughs> that's what like when the gatekeeper, when the, when the librarians or whomever is kind of like flicking through, like they, they'll kind of read the first chapter for maybe first couple of chapters to see if it, how clean it seems or whatever. And then, so it's like, you can get give the f-bombs a chance i was like, gonna try to remember like is the first f-bomb the one where she's meeting richard because she's like because she points out she's like yeah i dropped the f-bomb and she's like proud of herself that she did it she's like look at me i stood up for myself and yeah. and again 
it's very different when you're reading it versus like you're trying to be able to say, okay, I'm giving this to somebody else's kid. So I get that. But I also remember, so um, I freely admit I've never read all of Harry Potter, but part of Harry Potter I have oh read. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen the movies. The part I have read was because my mother was an elementary school librarian. And back mm-hmm. when Harry Potter came out, she's like, I don't know about this. So she took it home and she read the whole thing before she's like, yeah, yeah, I can have this in my library. Right. And then I read it and went, this isn't very good, but, but that's, that's not the point. I don't like it, but, but right. the point was she wasn't going to be one who would just stop at the 30 pages. She wanted to make sure it wasn't like, cause I, she would have gotten in trouble if Harry Potter, oh, yeah. if, if it would have been like, yeah. And then Harry Potter sacrifices his entire class in this elaborate satanic ritual or something. <laughs> Didn't see that coming in the first 30 pages. A I was going to say, that sounds like a book that I would probably it, be more interested in. It would in might, reading. it might've just improved it. That might be my fan fiction version where just, <laughs> Everybody except for Luna Lovegood, she can stay. But right. the idea, the idea that like, okay, well, if it's not in the first 30 pages, we can get away with it. But I think that's that's kind of how most people feel about submissions, because that's what goes off to agents anyway. First 30 pages are really polished. Right. Exactly. Kind and of the rest is like blah. <laughs> and then the rest is just like it goes <laughs> off the rails. Yeah. Blah, but ending. Yeah. yeah. And like, like the first first hundred pages are fine, then it's like a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> just like much. I don't know, I'm just putting words on paper. Add more laudanum. Yeah. Well, it was fine for some of my books to just (laughs) add more laudanum. (laughs) Like maybe it's a hallucination. Yeah. Alex, we can't get away with that in contemporary stuff. Nobody's doing laudanum anymore. But maybe some psychotropic drugs in Santa Fe. What do we? What do we have? Peyote. What do we have down there? Yeah, peyote. Maybe so. Yeah. Like I, I just feel like you got to let your teens be teens and let them do the stuff that teenagers do because that's who, I mean, you're writing books. I don't know. I'm trying to like, you know, give an authentic like experience and make people feel, but you know, then at the same time, like as an author, you're not supposed to read your reviews because they might be bad, but you can't, I can't help it anyway. And there's so many reviews that are like, oh, the te- like I couldn't stand the character. She was so annoying. She acted so immature. I'm like, well, she's Sorry? like 16. <laughs> Did you see how old she was? 16 and her dad died yesterday. Like, what do you, what do you expect? So, I mean, I, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I think. But that people, one was wrong. When people, but that <laughs> opinion was wrong. And when people say that teens are acting immature, I, I just, I mean, I think like we're, we're all always going through things and yeah. for, it's just an odd comment, I think. It is. I and I say, have you met some teenagers? Yeah. And it's also an odd comment to be like, oh, they're acting too adult. Because yeah, we don't know every family's different. Yeah. Like, we don't know what some kids are doing. I remember going to high school and having, you know, friends who basically lived alone, like they're, you know, and were allowed to drink at the table and all this right. stuff. And I was like, Whoa. Yes, totally. You're like a mini adult. And that's not this kind of sixteen year old I am. Like yeah. maybe in private, but not like openly cool drinking with my parents. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. I had those friends. <laughs> but it, I know, right? And so, yeah, there's so many. It's all so different. I mean, I remember, like, you know, when Dawson's Creek came out, and they're like, "Oh, but like, they're so unrealistic because like their vocabulary is like so good." And and but, you know, I don't know. Everybody's different. It's so. It's I, I think I sounded like that at that point because I was that obnoxious, pretentious. Look at me, and I'm in, I'm in AP classes, and I, I still think probably one of the the height of the compliments I got when I was in high school, I was in the mock trial team and I was practicing in the courthouse and somebody came up to me and asked if I was a real lawyer. I'm like, I looked young then. I looked like I was probably 12. I don't know why anybody would have thought I was a real lawyer, but I was like, yes, I'm a grown up. 
like Doogie Howser syndrome, but for lawyers. Maybe she's a savant. I'm clearly like a 16 year old in a suit, but whatever. That would make a great YA book. Now I'm going to file that away. Well, I was going to ask Alex, what is it about YA that draws you to writing YA? And do you ever consider coming out of that lane and writing for the grown up people? I, I just love YA. I think it's like the voice that I felt that I always just feel the most comfortable with and just the stories that I want to tell kind of really, like I think I was saying before, but just everybody's going through these, these things and you just want to be able to show teens, like show people they're not alone. Like what they're going through is important. I just, it's like, I, I want to write the books that I wanted to read when I was a teenager and I love writing teen dialogue and hopefully it all still sounds okay considering I am no longer a teenager, but I mean, I just, <laughs> most, just so most much YA fun. is not written by teenagers. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like, like, I would say like contemporary dramatic YA because I do yeah. love like a young voice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I write like personal essays or things like that, I, I go back to like my teenage years and I write from that voice. Yeah. And then like, but if I pitch an idea as like a horror slash, you know, whatever writer to my agent mm-hmm. and I'm like, the main character's 17. She's like, oh, is it YA? And I'm like, no, it's not it, YA because yeah. the other character's a murderer. And she's like, <laughs> okay. it's 40. And she's like, mm, sounds like YA. And I get it because like the main character's a teenage girl. Right. But it's not always, I mean, there's plenty of books that are, are yeah. from the point of like a 17 year old and, but they are not what I like my dark Vanessa, for instance, which came out last year. Like that's not a YA, <laughs> but it's, um, you know, but she's a, she is a teenager for most of the book and mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, just, it's a think, tricky industry though. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, and, and I feel like we as authors only understand very little to none of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I know. I'm but, like but trying to pretend I know were, something about it. I'm like, yeah, but I've had people be told. So for a while, and for people who don't know what this term is, the NA, and I don't mean you know not allowed or not applicable. The new adult, and that was this mm-hmm. whole category that no one even knows if it exists in the industry. It kind of came on the scene, and then it was like, no, nobody's really looking for that. But this kind of wedge between still young and fresh voice, but maybe more mature, or the characters a little bit older. Than YA, yeah. and nobody yeah. even knows if that category exists, let alone what really defines it. I was thought of that as like your first two years of college. It's college, yeah. It's all very college because <laughs> you have different experiences. You're not living at home. Yeah, you can get away with more. But your parents don't have to be dead. Yeah. You just not be there. They could just yeah. not be there. But then I think of people like you know, like the, the book Rules of Attraction and like Freddie Stanellis and things like that. And I'm like, oh, that's not new A. That's not new adult. That's like yeah. still a hardcore, very much an adult book about yeah. college. Yeah. Exactly. And it's that voice. And that's really a hard thing then because no one can go, oh, well, how does the voice sound? Like you write characters and the voice is very YA. And so if you're like, okay, well, if I want to write for adults, you wouldn't just write older characters. You would have to change the whole voice because you're writing adults in the YA books from a YA perspective. Yeah. So I, I know of some people who've been told, oh, you know, if YA isn't selling right now, can you age up or getting told age up your book? But the whole voice would be lost. You can't just age up the characters. The whole thing yeah. has to change. It's true. Yeah, I mean, and I think like the first draft of something that I wrote like years ago, I I definitely had them, I had put them in college because I was like, well, I want them to be able to drink 
and smoke and stuff. And my, my agent was like, so let them drink and smoke, but make them 17. Like, you know, instead, because like they, you know, they have to be, they have to be able to like being in these situations and making the mistakes and kind of having, having more of like a teenage life. And I was like, okay, you're right. But there, but I mean, finding at these NA books, like college age, they're few and far between. Like there's not a huge, I think it's getting to be more and more now, but like, there's not a lot of, of that, like in that genre. Well, especially because the industry doesn't know whether or not it exists. So people okay. are getting told everything that kind of fell in NA, they're being told either age it up or age it down. So there yeah. probably were a lot of books that should have been out that were that, that the industry yeah. said, mm, we aren't going to have this in, as a shelf, which I know for me, if I were a college student, I would probably be reading adult, but I would want to be looking for the, the experiences that mirror mine, which means I wouldn't want to be reading the high school stuff, which is yeah. funny because as an older adult, I can kind of relate to it more, but maybe fresh from it, I'd want to be like, I'm not in high school anymore. Look at me. I'm in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it just, and I, I was just going to say, just the, the genre itself to me is just fascinating because we were joking earlier about, oh, everybody just presumes you're going to send people off to Hogwarts because the fantasy, the fantasy why is kind of what took over it, but then also that the gossip girl side of it, yeah. which is in, in its way also just a fantasy because most people don't live, by, well, I mean, you're in New York, so maybe some of them do, but I mean, but, but I that's live not, in <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, no Upper East you're side. not on the Upper East Side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's totally Gossip Girl was total fantasy. Like that was not realistic contemporary fiction. It was yep. like those people were result in aliens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of them might have been. I think they. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alex, it was great to talk to you. This has been so nice. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, you have been really awesome. Fun. People who are watching this on the replay, Alex, uh, Alex's website is scrolling underneath. If you are just listening to the audio, it will be in the show notes. Check out her website, buy her book, When We Were Strangers, and her first book, Accidental, or second-ish book, first, <laughs> yeah. first book, first book. Well, first book we can find. Like yeah. It's a gray area. We understand. My, book, my book's from the past two years. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Recent releases. Let's do that. Uh, thank you, Allison. As always, thank you, Roman Sirotin, our producer, Pam Stack, our executive producer. This has been a copywritten podcast by the Global Authors on the Air Radio Network, and we will see you all next week.